Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marks and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour, me, you idiot. Welcome everybody to the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is episode number 216, and my guest this time around is romance author M.V. Ellis. Uh, MV, following a career spanning advertising, marketing, and social media, ended up writing her first book, Catching London, back in 2017, and she hasn't looked back yet. She has now published several popular books and series, including Boys of Trinity Hall, Heartless Few, and Gods of the Fifth Floor. So I'm very excited to talk to MV Ellis. How are you doing today, MV? Um, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's my absolute pleasure. Now, for anybody listening right away, they're going to detect a, a, a very, a very delightful accent on your end. So I'm guessing we're not in the same time zone. We're not in the same time zone. It's quite complicated, the whole accent thing. Um, yes, people do pick that up straight away. So I've got a very strong London accent. Mm-hmm. Can't hide that. <laughs> um, but not only that, just to, just to add confusion into the mix, I'm um, now based in Sydney, Australia. So I have a slight ish slight um, Australian <laughs> twang on top of the London accent and yeah we are um, indeed in very different time zones right now so okay so so I'm I'm here in uh, Las Vegas Nevada it's uh it's it's 9 a.m first thing in the morning I, I just barely wiped the crust out of my eyes what time is it to, <laughs> <laughs> where you're at I'm, I'm growing the crust in my eyes it's um, <laughs> 1 48 a.m so 10 10 to 2 um, AM on um, the opposite end of your day. So we're we're very far ahead here in Australia. So I'm finishing my day and you're starting yours. That's wild. And so so you're finishing your day at uh, almost two AM. So it, it yeah. sounds like you're 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 living kind of a rock style uh, rock star lifestyle over there in the Sydney. Well, look, you know, <laughs> I used to live a rock star lifestyle. Now I'm a I'm an author and mum of two and someone who just keeps late hours. However, um, my husband is a musician, and um, that has kind of set our hours um, for life. Really, we're both late um, late to bed. I mean, he um, as an occupational hazard for work, and me just as a life hazard. <laughs> um, we're now both late, and I do stay up um, writing writing late or trying to write late which sometimes ends up as drawing on my keyboard late (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's um it's actually a good time of day in many ways to get things done and all that kind of stuff it kind of is i i i find that uh, and i I don't do it all the time and i certainly don't like schedule it but i have found that uh, some of the best writing i've done tends to be in, in, in the late hours when it's several hours beyond when I when I should be asleep. And I've even had really great writing sessions where I was I could barely keep my eyes open and I and I really wanted to go to bed, but maybe there was like a chapter that I just let me try to finish this. Or I, I've had days where I didn't write anything and then I felt guilty and I wanted to go to sleep. And I said, Well before you go to sleep, just write like one or two sentences and that way you don't feel guilty. And then I end up writing for a couple of hours and it ends up being much better than much better writing than I would have expected. Have you ever? Uh, do you find anything similar like that when you're writing in the middle of the night? Um, look, you know, I think I'd probably find that a lot more if I spent um, fewer nights up this late. I, I do, I do get a decent amount of writing done though at this time of day. And um, funny story about my first uh, book you mentioned, Catching London. I wrote um, all of that book between nine p.m. and three a.m. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I um I wasn't uh, I was working full time and I had kids and I also didn't tell anybody including my husband that I was actually writing a book oh my god so, <laughs> so that was all done um you know after the kids were in bed after dinner was done and the dishes and all of that um and I just would tap away um into the night and you know I think it, you know still sort of stand by that as a as a first book as a solid um you know solid well written book sure. and it was it, done late at night so you know i think uh, you can have pockets of creativity even even in the small hours of the morning 
Absolutely. And, and you know, and so, so you wrote that book, Working Full Time. You've got, you've got the husband. You've got the kids. You're writing late at night. I, I, I suspect anybody listening to this, even if they've never written a book, they can appreciate that writing a book uh, takes a lot of work. And, and it takes a lot of work even if you have the time to do it. In your case, at that point, working full time, couple of kids, uh, married, there's so little time and yet to, to, to find the time to, 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 to actually write a book in and of itself is, is very impressive. That's, that's extremely impressive. I'm curious. Um, well, actually, so, so you said you wrote it in a few months. What was the, the time frame about uh, roughly how long did it take you to write that first book? Oh, that one, um, I still, you know, it's really weird because it was all sort of done secretly. I never really pressed, um, you know, go on the, sure. <laughs> on the timer and then stop. It, it took me longer than books now take me. I would say, um, maybe a year but you know that's including editing it a couple of times of and um you know all of that stuff but it, it is hard for me to know because i really i don't remember when i kind of was like okay i'm going to write this and then you know okay i've stopped writing this <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'm gonna go with maybe a year maybe less but yeah. um i haven't got an exact figure on on that one and no, that's cool, you know yeah I mean, that makes perfect sense because you know like with with my first book um i i like i i like I can, I, I know that I started it in the year 2006 and I know that I published it in the year 2011, but I also know that, mm. I, that I didn't write every day for five years, that there was, mm. that there would be, a, a, you know, fits where I'd write for days or weeks in a row. Then there might be a few days or weeks where I wasn't writing because I had to mm. focus on some other part of my life and then I'd go back to it and then maybe I'd put it aside. So even though it was, so I get that where for me it was a five year period, but I can't tell somebody I wrote for five years because I didn't. It was probably no. it, like if I if I added up all the writing time, it was probably closer to maybe two years, really. But mm. so I totally get that. But but even even a year, even less than a year for a first book, that's um, at least in my mind, that's very impressive because I've I I mean, I know I mean, you know, all, all writers are like snowflakes. They're they're all different. Some writers can knock mm. a book out in a, in a month. Probably others will take uh, 10 years to write a book. But again, from uh, from from my experience, completing a book uh, inside of a year, including editing and everything, that's that's pretty uh, pretty darn impressive. On top of which, it was a, um, a, a, a successful book. You got it. Uh, you know, it's been reviewed really well, particularly by uh, by the readers who've uh, who've discovered it, uh, and 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 uh, and you got a publisher for it, which is you know again. Uh, most any writer aspiring or otherwise listening to this, they know how challenging it is to get uh, to to get a book published, let alone a you know a, a debut novel. So, uh, how, how did you go about getting your your debut novel published? Oh, okay, so where there I was writing this book in the in the small hours and not telling anybody, and then editing it and then not telling anybody. And then I um, sent it off to a bunch of publishers and didn't tell anybody. <laughs> um, I literally said nothing. And I'm, I'm not even joking. I didn't tell my husband. I didn't tell my mum. Nothing. I speak to my mum probably <laughs> twice a day most days. Didn't say a word. Um, and so, yeah, look, I think partly, you know, as a beginner, obviously I had was researching the, the market, um, the writing market as I kind of went along. But I think as a beginner, mm -hmm. you almost don't really know the enormity of what you're doing. So I just sent it out to a bunch of publishers who seemed like publishers who may be interested. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I was like, well, that's done. And, you know, you know yourself, I'm sure that it can take quite a while to get any kind of response mm -hmm. from publishers. I ended up getting um, six publishing offers. Um, that's amazing. Thank you. All from smaller, um, more independent um, uh, publishers. But still, I mean, again, with hindsight, you know, an offer from any kind of publisher of any scale is a big deal, it Absolutely. turns out. Absolutely. Uh, so when I had four offers, I think it was on the table, I was like, I guess I should tell my husband because it looks like I'm maybe going to publish a book sometimes. <laughs> so I did that. And, um, yeah, I... I had these six offers and I had all of the contracts looked at um, and sort of made a decision from there. But I think at the time, whilst I was um, happy and, um, you know, flattered that I'd received these offers, I don't think I kind of realised quite 
what a big deal it was <laughs> to get six offers until kind of later and it'd be like you know people try for years to get any kind of one offer and i was yeah. like oh i had it doesn't you know it's, it's quite a funny thing to be able to say but so that was my um my introduction into the industry was you know i've written this book nobody knows <laughs> sign this book <laughs> and six people did so now that's amazing and, 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 and again it, it was your first book and so you know you wrote your first book you sent it out you get six offers, you, you have no other experience to base it on. So as far as you know, this is the life of an author. You write a book mm-hmm. and then several publishers offer you a deal. And again, mm-hmm. you know, and again, in, in retrospect, you know, you've, you've uh, published several books since then. You have more experience since then. You have more uh, perspective to realize uh, what a what a wonderfully unique scenario that was uh, to, uh, to get, uh, again, and, and, you know, you referenced it. For to, to to get even one offer is a is is sort of you know will be the life achievement of most any author. So to to get six, that's pretty fantastic. I'm I'm, I'm thinking with your or well thinking slash wondering with your with your background in uh you know in uh, your professional background in you know marketing and social media. My instinct tells me that 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 had to play at least a small part in your ability to uh not not just not just get yourself um offers but uh but but again for for any aspiring authors listening right now particularly if you're if you're an author where you're writing a book or you've finished a book and you're you're looking perhaps for uh to get represented by a literary agent or you're just looking to get maybe get a get a book deal a big part of it is is not just writing a wonderful book but it's also having the ability to uh to to properly um, essentially market yourself to that agent or to that publisher in the way that you're, you're, you're presenting your book in, in the most, uh, uh, in, in the best possible light, which, which, uh, which can be difficult if you don't have that experience, but because you do have that background, I wonder if that, uh, how much of that you tapped into in terms of positioning yourself, uh, in terms of, um, getting your book deals. Look, I think um, some of it is, you know, now innate in me that you can't, I can't not do it, if you know what I mean. So I'd say I, I tapped into it heavily just by existing. Sure. Um, and um, so there's that. And there's also, you know, knowing that your book is a product, but so are you as an author. Um, you're a brand, you know, it's not just about writing a book and the words that are in between the covers of that book, mm-hmm. but it's how you position the book in the market and how um, an uh, uh, um, agent or a publisher or anybody who's representing you in any way can also position the book and the author in the market. So I think having an understanding of how to um, package your product, and you know, on a daily basis, I don't see myself as a product, but ultimately you are part of, as the author, you are part of the product that goes out there to people. Um, seeing knowing how to package that when you're um, essentially selling it to other people, publishers or agents or whoever, and knowing how they can then package that is, I think, a very handy skill to have. And I I don't doubt that that background in marketing and in um, social media and in advertising um, comes in extremely handy every day, even at times when I'm probably sort of not aware Mm -hmm. of, how I do things differently to other people. Um, I think that those skills are, you know, accidentally are very invaluable. And look, I've sold, I've worked um, across so many different um, segments of um, consumer society from deodorant to sports shoes to (laughs) shoes. I mean, you name it, I've tried to sell it um, as an, as an ad man, as we call them in inverted commas. Um, so I think from from that perspective, I find it I found it way more pleasurable to try and convince somebody that I'm an I'm an appealing prospect and my book's <laughs> an appealing prospect than I do that some cheese or some new deodorant is. So you know, it's 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 I guess the first time that I've um, been able to market a product that I really um, believe in. <laughs> you spend a lot of your career in advertising, just rolling your eyes, thinking, "Oh, you know, yeah, it's the new, freshest, strongest toothpaste or you know, deodorant." Or um, one of my last clients was a um, an electricity company, and it's okay. like, you know, how more boring a product is there? Like, it's, <laughs> your, this company's electricity is not better than that company's electricity. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just 
it, you can't see it, you can't wear it, you can't taste it, and it's exactly the same wherever you buy it from. So <laughs> being able to market something that's not as dull as that and that I actually kind of, you know, I'm very invested in and that I believe in 100% is, is it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so in terms of uh, your your background in advertising and marketing and social media, what are some of the um, or or I, I say what are uh, I don't even know if, the, if there are any, but if there are any, what are some of the uh, transferable skills from from marketing that that you found have um, have helped a little bit in terms of marketing your books and, and not just your books, but again, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, any authors listening right now who are looking for just any advantage that they could possibly get their hands on to get some kind of traction in terms of marketing their themselves and their own books. Um, I think a big thing um, and what actually drew me to the advertising industry in the first place was um, understanding people, how people think, um, what people want from the product that mm-hmm. you're selling, whether it's deodorant or cheese or MVLs, um, has been a huge benefit because ultimately, um, you know, people do things for a reason. And I ask myself a lot, not just to do with writing, but just in life in general, you know, why? <laughs> why would someone do something? Why does someone do something? Why does someone want something? And I think if you can um, think about your product, your book, your writing, even when you're writing your book, um, why, you know, we think about that in terms of characters, why would someone, you know, what would someone do mm-hmm. next and why? But also if you can think about your your readers and your potential readers in terms of, you know, why do people read? Why do people read the genre that they're reading? Mm-hmm. You know, when might someone read? When might someone be looking to buy a book? Um, if you can think about some of those things, the motivations for people's behavior, and ultimately if you're trying to um, get someone to read your book, whether they're buying it or borrowing it, or, you know, if you're trying to help hope that they would recommend their book to another person, all of these things, you know, this is all behavior and it's all motivated by something. And if you can think about what motivates people, then that is a really um, good thing to be able to harness in terms of when you then are trying to affect their behavior because that's all we're really doing. Mm. You know, if you, if you want to read a book, you're trying to affect someone's behavior. You're trying to interest someone in something that they may not have looked at before or considered. And then after that, you're trying to hope that they will take a specific action, you know, whether it's to, like I said, buy your book, borrow your book, recommend your book, Mm -hmm. uh, talk about your book, all of that stuff. So being able to tap into um, those motivations, I think is, is crucial. And lucky for me, this is something that, um, you know, was one of the main reasons I went into advertising. It certainly wasn't because I really wanted to sell toothpaste to people. (laughs) But but this whole kind of, it was like, for me, it was like a formalized people watching, you know, I basically got paid to do what I would normally do in a bar or, you know, a party anyway, Uh which is kind of, you know, see what people are up to and why. But, you know, I, I got to do that for money and I'm like, cool, that seems like a fun job. Um, and so I think having that as a kind of leaning or an interest, you know, comes in handy. But over the years, I've obviously learned um, more formal skills around how to harness that in a, in a marketing um, framework, which I, I think has been, you know, 100% invaluable in my career. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's fantastic. So so when <clears throat> uh, when you have a, a, a new book, whether whether. Oh, I actually, when you have a new book that's that's ready to come out, you've written it, you've done the editing, uh, it's it's all packaged in terms of the, you know the the covers ready to go, everything's ready to go. Um, at, at that point, you can generally you know you can turn off the uh, the author side of your brain, and you can turn on you know the the, the marketing side of your brain. What are some of the uh, what what are some of the the go to initial marketing steps that that you the every time you have a book that you know these are going to be the, the things that you're going to do to, to get this new book uh, out in there into the marketplace. Okay. So um, I have a few things that I do sort of a standard now, I guess I've been, I've been in the market for two and a half years, excuse me. Um, and so I still stand by doing um, some kind of promotional um, tour. I really feel like just to give your book um 
some kind of footprint in the market, you know, just a sort of certain number of eyeballs across it at any one time. Mm-hmm. Um, I I always book a promotional tour with an external company, which um, for those who don't know in terms of what a promotional tour is, is um, where they would sign up bloggers and other people who are um, uh, active in the book space, mm-hmm. um, romance in my case, um, you know, people that have Instagram um, followings, who who blog about books, who talk about books, who promote books. Um, and I will always do a push um, to reveal the cover um, in that context. And that tends to be my first sort of big, hey, I have a new book coming, um, is the um, cover reveal or one of the first big things I do. Yeah. Um, and I just find that um, getting out into the market in in as many different spots as possible um a promotional tour is is good for that um and you know i always see an upswing in um pre-orders and things when i when i do something like that and i think it's just sheer weight of eyeballs you know you're just out there on different places and different platforms and being spoken about by different different people so that's one of the the key things that i um, now kind of stick by. Some people don't really rate um, tours and I think it can depend on, you know, what you write and in what genres and, and whatever, but they seem to work for me. You know, so I, I, absolutely. I think that's great. I, I, I tried. So with my, the, the very first book I published, uh, it's called Inside the Outside. I published that one in 2011. And I, and, and, and you know, in terms of trying to market and, and promote the book, that was all just completely new to me I had no idea at all what I was doing but I but I discovered that you know uh, uh, doing a, a promotional tour or a book tour that this was a thing that uh, you know um, authors seem to be having success with so I at that time I tried to organize my my own book tour which mm-hmm. which was um, I, I, I don't know I think it was all right I, it was I, I remember it was a lot of work and I had no idea if I was even doing it well so it was that combination of this is really really hard and I don't know if I'm doing it correctly mm-hmm. um so then when I a couple years later when I had my second book uh I I went I decided to take the avenue of well let me let me hire a, a an outside company to do this for me and uh I for me, that worked with mixed results, and I think it was because the it wasn't because the, the the company that I that I hired did a poor job, but I think I I probably did a poor job in terms of maybe selecting somebody to work with because right. um with the I think that primarily the the, the bloggers and the, the yeah the reviewers and bloggers uh, that they were getting to to review review my book, which was a big part of it, um, was not the correct audience. And yeah. so, so a lot of the reviews I was getting, I was getting a mixture of, you know, mixed reviews and in some cases just not good reviews. But then when I looked at all the other books that these reviewers were, were reading, they were nowhere in the realm of the book that I had written. And so they were, yeah. it, it was, they just weren't the right audience for it. But then at this point it's too late because now I've, um, you know, the, the reviews are going to be out there, the tour is going on. And so I tried to I tried to make the most of it, but you know, that was the last time I tried, I tried that, but mm-hmm. I, I would try it again with the right company. So, so I'm actually mm-hmm. happy to hear you talking about it in terms of, um, something that, that does work for you. Uh, do you mind mentioning uh, who you work with in terms of, uh, doing your, um, your promotional tours? Hold on a sec. I just remind myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Take your uh, time. Enticing journey. Um, I'm using at the moment enticing journey. Um, book promotions and they've they've been great Um, and I think you touched on um, one of the things is you know it does need to be the right audience and um, I've used a few companies and they've they've all been great actually I have to say that I haven't I haven't had a bad experience but I think particularly in romance um, there are some quite sort of established pathways and there are um, quite a number of players who are active and well-known in the market and um, as an author when you become more active and more well known those two things can mesh quite well so I think I've found as time's gone on and I've become you know better known and my books have done better and got a bigger footprint that Mm -hmm. that also attracts people who've oh you know I've heard of her and I know what she writes so I'll jump in you know what I mean I think that sort of um can be a bit of a snowball effect so the the better you do and the more well-known you become, the more people are interested and, you know, so on and so on. So mm-hmm. I'm finding a good 
kind of, I get a good number of um, sign-ups from people who are either prepared to review it or promote it, or it tends to be if you're going to review it, you're going to promote it. So it's people either just want to promote it or they'll review and promote. But I think that when those people, you know, see my name, they know roughly what they, they're getting into. So the, the, um, the fit between people who sign up and what I write is good because people kind of already know what they're they're getting, and that, I guess that's important. Um, I haven't really considered it in that way before, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it would it would be not so great if they interested <laughs> 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 in what I write. It's not a good start. Absolutely, yeah. Like yeah, when I did my again, the, well, the, the, I guess it was the last time I did a book tour. This would have been in uh, somewhere in the area of 2015, I believe. Um, mm. And again, I, yeah, I would say nothing ill of the company I worked with. Uh, they did, a, they worked hard. They did a good job in terms of putting it together. But in, in retrospect, and I, I don't know how, I, I don't think they marketed themselves as a company that, that, um, that worked with a lot of uh, bloggers who preferred. Uh, I, I felt like there was like a lot of like romance uh, authors yeah. or, or romance bloggers, I should say. Yeah. And so the book that I was um, promoting at that time. It was a it was a it was it was a vampire horror novel and it was yeah and so and so you know if and so if you're if you're a blogger and you generally are reading romance in this case and and you uh and you get this book that's uh that's you know a vampire novel no matter how good that vampire novel is it's if, if that's not the thing you're into you're gonna give yeah. it an honest review from from your perspective and so uh so, so that part didn't work out great uh, I mean the, the book ultimately over time, did fine but but that initial uh, i think it was maybe i think it was maybe like a two week uh mm, two week mm. it was just kind of it was just it was just uh it was somewhere between uh disappointing and painful of like oh god i don't know i don't want to do this anymore i can yeah. can, we, can we end this can we pull the plug on this no hard feeling just walk away from this tour um yeah so so that's something a blog tour is something that i um or a, a book tour is something that i kind of stand by um I um, always have my books on BookBub um, and I always book in, um, you know, to have that pushed out as um, a Mm -hmm. pre-release so that people can sign up, um, uh, so that people can start pre-ordering. And I find, again, that's another good um, uh, look, you know, every little bit helps, I think, and that's something that I would do at this stage um is i wouldn't not put my books on bookbub if i could use a double double negative i always (laughs) put my books on bookbub um and um so that's that's one of the things that's kind of an automatic thing for me um i always um obviously list my books on goodreads Mm -hmm. and i'll um try to make sure that I update um, all of the information on there every time it's um, necessary, including um, when I push something out on my blog, um, it's set up to automatically go to Goodreads as well because um, people who you're friends with and mm-hmm. people who they to will see your update on on Goodreads when that happens. So there are a few things like that that are sort of um, autom- kind of automatic things that happen without me really doing mm-hmm. Um, myself now but that's kind of set up to happen automatically um, uh, I always um, send out newsletters around the time of um, a cover reveal um, when the release goes live itself and sometimes something else in between just to remind people between those two points that um, the book is coming mm-hmm. I have to admit newsletters are my Achilles heel to an extent um, I know that they work I know that they're important but by God, I hate doing them. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. Even just the thought and the build-up, I have to psych myself up. I've got, to, I've got to write that newsletter for Tuesday. I've got to do that. I've got to do that. And I always end up leaving it to the last minute. It seems to take 178 years to do one. I just hate it. I don't know why. I can't explain <laughs> it. I just hate it. Just increasingly as time goes on, I think to myself, newsletter, and then I think I'd rather stab pins in my eyes than do this. (laughs) Having said that, I do believe that they're valuable. I do believe they work. I do believe I need to continue to do them and I need to hate them less. But at this point in time, my God, I just hate them. I just hate them. (laughs) I I was literally thinking about it today and I'm like, oh, I've got to send out a newsletter next week. Don't make me do it. 
that is something I always do, <laughs> even though I hate it. And I think it's worth doing, even though I hate it. Um, and, you know, other than that, I really, um, so I've been in it two and a half years now. I've been published two and a half years. Um, I really put time and effort into cultivating my community of readers. Mm-hmm. And um, so that is something that bubbles away the whole time, um, mostly via um, my reader group um, on Facebook, but also just in um, even on my profile on Facebook, um, on my page to an extent. But, you know, I spend a lot of time every day investing in the people who invested in me, really, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, people who read my books um, and people who may read my books. And um, so there's a lot that goes on there in the group. Just, you know, I, I try not to be marketing to, to people in that sense. Obviously, every now and again, I am. But I'm also just talking and being me and um, particularly in the group, you know, letting people see a little bit of the, you know, behind the curtain stuff that not everybody else sees um, in terms of the writing process so i will talk about the book as i write it you know the characters i'll show um my inspiration for those characters you know normally hot guys on instagram to be (laughs) (laughs) is one of the perks i have found of this job (laughs) is hot guys on instagram and i can tell my husband it's research so um so i will tend to share my research (laughs) with my readers um and I will share quotes, um, just snippets as I write. I will share um, thoughts. Recently, I um, did a little poll. I was thinking of, um, I got some characters coming up in a, a future book that are going to be twins. And I was genuinely pondering two different sets of names for these twins. I did a poll in the group to see what people thought were the um, was the better set of names. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I try to just... Um, keep that going all the time because I think um, back to the what do people want question um, I think a lot of people want you know don't want to be marketed to nobody wants to be hey sell me some stuff you know tell me how (laughs) this toothpaste is going to make my teeth and how dry this deodorant is going to make my armpits and um, you know it's a very the romance market particularly is a very noisy space in terms of there are you know a mind-boggling number of authors and books out there to choose from and nobody wants to just be told, hey, buy my thing. This is cool. You should buy this. Um, so I do invest a lot of time in giving people a reason to buy my books that is not just because I told them to, you know, or because <laughs> I to. Um, it's because they like what I write or they like me or they like the way I approach how I write, you know, that kind of thing. So I do, I do spend a lot of time. And that's, you know, that's an easy thing to do, um, as far as an activity is concerned, I don't find it a chore. You know, it's not on my to-do list like a newsletter where I'm like, oh, I've got to, oh no, I must talk to people now. I, I like that. <laughs> um, I don't like newsletters. Um, the challenge I find with that is just time. You know, as an author, you or uh, well, as anybody, we just have 24 hours a day, and I can, I try to maximise those by, you know, being up at 2 a.m. chatting to you, for example. <laughs> They still, you know, I still do have to sleep. I do have to eat. And occasionally I do have to parent my children. So um, just occasionally I try to, I try to minimize that like newsletters. I try to keep that as small as possible in my time. Um, you know, I have to be a wife sometimes and I also have a dog. So, you know, there, there are things that take up my time sure. um, that mean I can't spend all day on Facebook chatting to people about um, hot guys on Instagram. Um, so that I find a challenge just in terms of, you know, giving everything the correct weight. I've got to write these books whilst I'm talking about them. There's no point in chatting, you know, um, about the names of future twins of books if the book doesn't get written. <laughs> so that's a, that's a big juggle for me is just, you know, giving everything enough, I guess, enough time. Sometimes I feel like there's not enough time, but, you know, juggling all of those different aspects of the the author job. Yeah, no, that's smart. That's a smart idea to sort of uh, connect with readers and get them invested in the book uh, as you're writing it. That's a, that's a very wily way of thinking about it. So that when the book comes out, they've at this point they already have uh, not just an interest in it, but uh, but hopefully an emotional investment because they they'll, they'll feel like. 
they, that they were part of that journey. So that's a that's a really smart uh, smart idea. I'm gonna have to figure out some way to maybe uh, to to steal that for for myself. <laughs> um, so in, in terms of uh, romance uh, romance books and novels, uh, you know, so you mentioned that it's a very um, it's a very big uh, big marketplace, or, or to use your words, it's a very you know noisy uh, noisy area. A lot of uh, authors, I imagine. Um, but I suspect that uh, bef- for you to even enter the space of, of romance, uh, romance authors, it, I, I suspect it comes from uh, from a love of that genre as a as a reader yourself. So, uh, so assuming that's true, uh, when when did you uh, discover that you enjoyed romance novels? Well, this is an interesting thing. Um, I have a couple of stories now about that because it's it's been the sort of staggered approach. So. I say in my bio that I um, I was 11, um, I believe, <laughs> may have been 12, but I believe I was 11. And I was staying with my um, youngest auntie. My mum's one of six. She's kind of in the upper middle of the six kids. Um, <laughs> and I was staying with my, my youngest auntie, who's the youngest child, full stop. So there's only 10 years between myself and my auntie. Okay. And, um, and, I had uh, just stumbled across this. I mean, I was always a civilized reader, and I that was I was an only child. There was a lot of spare time, <laughs> not much to do, and no one else to interact with. So I I did read. You know, I used to just consume books. I used to walk down the street reading books. I used to read in the bath. I used to, um, you know, read whilst I watched TV and listen to music. Like reading was always a big part of my life. So here I was staying with my auntie. I had a lot of time. You know, she was a young mm-hmm. woman and doing her thing. Um, <laughs> and I just stumbled across her stash of books. I mean, I, I guess they were on the bookshelf. They weren't hidden. But <laughs> I must have gotten through my own reading material and then moved on to hers. And I, I spent that summer just reading, um, yeah, a whole stack of um, romance novels and with varying levels of heat, various <laughs> varying levels of appropriateness for children, I have to say. Um <laughs> some of the themes in one of those series particularly which was the uh, Virginia Andrews um books uh, the first one being Flowers in the Attic I mean my eldest daughter is going to be 10 in February uh-huh. and if if in a year and a bit's time she was a reading a book like that I would be very very upset um <laughs> not the most appropriate content but you know I had I had fun that summer as far as I was concerned um and that was probably that was my introduction into the um, adult world of romance. <laughs> um, then looking back, you know, there are books that have sort of romantic themes in that are, you know, very audience appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> um, for example, you know, Judy Bloom Forever was sure. probably my first book that actually, um, when you think about it in a sort of broader sense, comes under the banner of, of romance. And I, I can't remember how old I was when I read that, but I always... I always read ahead. I was always reading older than my age from Tiny. Um, so I was probably kind of eight or nine, and those books are probably marketed at, you know, 11 or 12-year-olds, I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, look, it's been a long, a long <laughs> time, I guess, in, in one way or another um, with with the genre. And um, I, I, I have to say, when I wrote Catch in London, I had been out of the market for a while. I mean, I, I sort of came back into it just before I wrote Catch in London, but there was a period of um, some years there where I didn't read much romance for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always kind of, it's always been there, um, bubbling away under the surface in one way or another. So with the, uh, when you, so right now I'm thinking about, uh, you know, you, you know, being a, a lover of romance novels and ultimately a lover of reading. And then I'm also thinking about the, you know, the, the transition from from being a lover of reading to deciding that you wanted to write, write your own book. And, and um, you know, because for, for every for every author, it, it's different. Some authors, you know, they 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 knew from the time that they were a kid that they wanted to, to, to write a book. For me, I it didn't uh, I was probably. I, 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 was, I, was, I was probably 18 or 19 before I even decided I wanted to try writing, let alone write a book. So, so in my mind, I kind of fit, think of myself as a bit of a late bloomer. So, so for you, when was the, uh, uh, w- was there a point that you can recall that you recognized that, that, that one day you also wanted to, to write stories and not just read them? Uh, um, look, it's a weird, this is another weird one. Um, 
I was a very late bloomer, if you're calling 18 a late bloomer, I have to say. Because <laughs> I, um, I mean, maybe it was there latently, but I, I was never really thinking about um, writing a book until, oh, you know, 15 years ago, maybe. Yeah, around that. Um, which makes me an incredibly late bloomer in your, in, by your um, <laughs> standards. And the impetus previously was always something negative. So I mentioned before about, you know, no one wakes up dreaming that they could sell deodorant today or cheese. <laughs> um, and so a few times in my career, I've just been like, oh, there has to be more to life than this. There has to be like, what am I doing? Um, and I... Uh, one such time, um, I was like, okay, th- I'm going to write a book. That's going to be my ticket to not selling cheese anymore. <laughs> and um, I was getting up. I was doing it at the other end of the day. I was getting up early and um, writing at like 5 a.m. before going to work or 4 a.m. or whatever. Um, and this book, you know, one day it will probably get published, but not for a while. It's actually a literary fiction, uh, a work of literary fiction based on um, some stories my grandfather told literally on his deathbed, stuff that we'd never heard of oh, the family wow. before he was sick in hospital and um he died a few days later but he told some stories about his siblings he was one of 13 it turns out we had no idea before that point um and i so i've I've started this magnum opus um based on his stories and i literally just sat at my computer and typed like there's a meme of uh what's the what's your frog what's the um frog from the muppets kermit kermit yeah there's a um, there's a meme of him just typing like frenetically, and I, I did that, and um, you know that was going to be my ticket to to leaving the advertising industry, and I just kind of ran out of steam um, mm-hmm. <laughs> with that, <laughs> and it's been sitting in a dusty corner for you know twelve years or something like that, um, and then so then I forgot about the idea again, and and you know completely different genre, completely different thing, and then the idea for Catching London just kept kind of niggling away in my brain, and the impetus was very different because it wasn't coming from a sort of negative space. Yeah, I mean, you know, I had been looking to get out of advertising for years, but it wasn't so much like, you know, I hate this and I, and so I'm going to write my way out of it. It was just, I have this idea and the idea won't go away. So, hey, I should just write this idea. So that's how um, Cash in London came about. But recently I um, remembered something from, you know, you just, I'm old now. <laughs> a lot of things happen to get, to get more than you remember. And um, I had a memory of, I was 12 years old, I believe, and we had done a project in English to write um, a story. And when I look back now, the book I wrote, the story I wrote was 100% romance, 100%. <laughs> and and you know, without knowing what the key um, tenants are at that age, I had hit all of the key things that you need to for a good romance, you know, and had the all of the right things and I turned in I was so proud of this book and I designed the cover and you know I just it was I just I remember being really like yep I've done a really good thing here and I handed it in and my English teacher was just so lukewarm about it Uh, (laughs) I think you know maybe that was the writing but I also think that the genre plays a lot um played a lot into her just meh this is just meh Mm -hmm. um and you know, I think that there is quite a lot of um, negativity around romance as a genre. And I think when you're, you know, a high school English teacher, maybe that's not what you're expecting from your 12 year old um, <laughs> students. And I honestly, I had this memory and I was like, wow, I just remember, you know, it was really such a kick in the teeth to be so proud of something and put so much work into it. And OK, you know, it was probably a terrible, terrible <laughs> story. But so were probably all of the other stories that were turned in by, you know, these 12 year old students. Um, but it was just when I think back now, it's just something about the way she responded to it that makes me think it was also related to the genre. Yeah. And I honestly yeah. think that I just that idea about writing a book just closed in my mind at 12 and I never even thought about it again. And it was only a year, 18 months ago that that whole experience resurfaced. And I, I was like, wow, you know, it maybe had I not been kicked in the teeth at 12. Mm-hmm. I might have come to it sooner. And I, I never had that as a conscious thing. I never I never thought in my head consciously, I'm not going to write a book because I'm not good at it or anything like that. But suddenly there's me writing books and there's this memory of someone just completely turning their nose up at pretty much the same kind of book. And um, 
I've sort of put the two together and gone, hmm, I wonder if there's a reason why I didn't do this sooner. <laughs> now, teachers have such, that they have such an, a big, big impact, probably even bigger than they realize. And it can go either direction, including it can go negative in the way that, that, mm. that you described, whether they, they realize it or not. I, I had a... Uh, a similar a similar experience when I uh, when it was I was in college like I said for in my case I was I was a relatively late bloomer so I I studied English in college and um and I wanted to take a creative writing class because I was I at this at, at, at that point a couple of years in I I realized this was something I wanted to really invest in and try to learn how to do and so my first creative writing teacher when I was at a when I was in university um she was you know, she, it sounds like it was maybe similar to, to, to your experience as a 12 year old where she didn't outright say, you know, hey, you're, you're no good at this. You should you should hang it up. But the way that she responded to the work that I was doing, that's what it felt like. And so so mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and so I tech in my brain, I did give up. I like I quit. Like I decided, OK, I'm no good at this. Uh, yeah, I gave it a go. Let me figure out something else to do with my life. And, you know, if I was I probably technically gave up for. I don't know, four or five months. And then um, I, I took another class, another creative writing class, but I took that class specifically just to see, I, I, I wanted to find out with, with certainty that giving up was the right idea. And and I, right. and I so if I was no good at it, I didn't want to, in my mind, I didn't want to waste time on something that I wasn't going to be successful at. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for another class. And then, you know, that teacher, you know, that college professor was the exact opposite of ex- experience where um, he loved the first story I wrote for him. Uh, he was very encouraging. He had feedback. It wasn't a perfect story. But, you know, uh, along with the feedback to help me be better, there was also this enthusiasm that, you know, that, uh, that he conveyed that uh, that I had something worth working on and, and developing. And so those those two experiences uh, were, were greatly effective. But if I wouldn't have met that teacher, I would have been solely affected by by the previous teacher. And, mm. and I probably I, I you know, I, I have I probably never would have written if that was the if that was the experience that if that was the last experience. So I'm mm. so grateful. And and, you know, this is almost 20 years ago. I met the, the teacher who was really encouraging and still almost 20 years later, I can remember not only can I remember vividly how important that was. I can still like today when I still write today, I still feel the, uh, you know, the important impact of, of, uh, of that teacher and his encouragement. Mm. Um, and, and, and I took a bunch of his classes after the fact, just because I didn't want to leave that, that, that sphere of, I found somebody who's, who's helping me out. And, uh, and, and, and literally, um, pure, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, we don't, we don't live in the same uh, area anymore. I live in, uh, mm. he lives in California. I live in, in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. But he happened to be uh, visiting, and we had, I had dinner with him a couple of nights ago. So even twenty years later, oh, that's so cool! Oh my gosh, wonderful. that's so cool! It, it was wonderful, and we and we and you know just it was so great to, to to connect with him and talk about writing and publishing. And what's really nice, what you know, is a uh, is even though I was his student almost twenty years ago, um, to be at a point now where and I don't even think I don't even know if he necessarily thinks of it this way on his end, but for me. It's amazing that uh, that I can connect with him as a as a fellow author now. It makes me yeah. feel so great for him. I think it just seems normal that I'm a I'm another author. He knows, but for me, it's such a uh, it's such a valid not a valid just a great wonderful part of my you know my own journey. Mm. So, uh, but now I'm thinking about I'm, I'm thinking about college and writing and developing as a writer and thinking about writing processes. So, so I'm curious in your case when you have uh, you know, when you have a spark, when you have a spark of an idea, and you think, mm-hmm. okay, this is this is something good. I would, I want to explore this story, and, and I want to, I, I think I want to write a book about this story. Once mm-hmm. you have that first spark, what's your process for uh, developing that story? So, so we kind of <laughs> know that uh, you know sometimes you get up early, sometimes you you stay up late. Mm-hmm. But in terms of uh, what, well, just as an example, you know, like for me, I like to. Uh, a big thing that I like to do, I like to outline my stories. So mm-hmm. I have a nice roadmap of kind of, you know, where it starts and where it's going and things that happen in the middle. I know that there's a lot of other authors who, you know, they like to write it as they go. They they, they, they don't, the last thing they want to do is outline it because yeah. they want to be as surprised as the reader for what happens next. So in your case, uh, what's, what's your process? Right. Well, funny you should ask. Um, I 
it's funny because my job has always been in advertising uh, what they call a suit, which is a slightly demeaning term. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, not the person who makes the ads, you know, the person who makes the process of making the ads happen. So yeah. that's the person who tells everybody else what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing it, why haven't they done it? Um, and, you know, they, you do have some um, influence on the creative process, but, you know, you're not the writer and you're not the um, person who puts the pictures together and all that. So that a big part of that role is being really organised, having a roadmap, seeing where in the process you are and where everyone else is and where you're supposed to be and, you know, pulling the wheels back on if we're off track and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was me for 20 years. Uh, me as a writer... <laughs> Apparently, my brain likes to work in a completely different fashion, which is new to me. Um, uh, I do not plot my books, and this is not for want of trying to plot my books. <laughs> I have tried. You name a type of way of plotting, trying to plot a book, and I have tried it. If someone says you can stand on your head in the shower and write with your toes <laughs> on the ceiling, and that will get a book plotted, I will try this method. Um, and I cannot do it. I cannot. Um, for the uninitiated, there's, uh, you know this, obviously, I'm, I'm telling the people who don't know, um, there's plotters like you, and there are people that are called pantsers like mm-hmm. me, that, um, you know, basically refers to flying by the seat of your pants. I, up until recently, was a regretful pantser. You know, I really felt like, you know, there's a right way to do it, and then there's my way. <laughs> like there must be a system out there that works for me everyone else talks about oh i could never plot and then i tried the you know hop on one leg and bug like a dog method and now look i plot <laughs> all of my books i have tried the hop on one leg bark like a dog i have tried everything everything and none of them work and i think the reason um i've distilled it down to i don't know if it's a um lack of attention span or whatever but essentially it's like my brain doesn't, my creative brain doesn't really come to the party until it's the real thing. So when I try to plot, my brain is like, meh, 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 you know, you know, this is not the real thing anyway. So yeah, something happens, <laughs> he says something, she says something, then they're happy, then they're sad, then there's a sex scene, the end, it'll be great, don't worry about it. So <laughs> I, will, I will start plotting and it's just boring. Like what I'm writing is boring, the process of writing the plot is boring, it just boring sometimes i'll finish the plot sometimes i just die of boredom halfway through and this will take days you know it's like five days of wanting to stab myself in the eyes it's like this is dull um and then so a few times i've actually finished the plot um and then tried to write to the plot but of course it's boring so (laughs) after about 10 minutes of trying to write to the boring plot my brain's like well this is boring do something else so I have found it to be um, a, a time sucker, you know, like spending time creating something dull <laughs> because I feel I should. And then when I get to actually do the real thing, ignoring said dull thing because it's dull. <laughs> so I've given up. I just, I've, I've just appreciated that, you know, I feel like for me the plot is the dress rehearsal and um, my brain, my creative brain only really shows up to the first night. Um, and you know, it can, that can be a very frustrating place to be in. However, some of my best work, some of my best stories, some of my best, um, you know, plot twists or devices or or bits of stories that people have gone, oh, you know, when this bit happens, it was amazing, have been things that were nowhere in my, I have a mental plan. I have a brain plan, but I Uh never have a paper plan. Um, and they have been things that have been nowhere in my brain plan whatsoever. (laughs) And normally they're because I've my non-plan has led me to write myself into some kind of a corner. Now here I am in the corner. I have to gnaw my leg off like a, like a trap <laughs> um, and, you know, write, write myself out of the corner. And sometimes some of my best, most creative thinking have been has been when I've basically bungled and gotten myself somewhere <laughs> I shouldn't have been and then I have to get out again. Um, and I was having this conversation with my husband where I'm like, I I wonder if there's ever a part of my brain or a way that I can do that when it's not the real thing, you know, would, would I have come up with a similarly good, um, you know, way out of the trap had I just done it from a plan or not? I mean, of course there's no way of knowing, but Uh it's just, it's just an interesting um, uh, question, I suppose, is if I, if there's ever a way for me to tap into those creative juices when, when it's not done out of desperation, you know, basically (laughs) 
I'm writing these books, I'm like, I have to write 90,000 words and I've written 45 and I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I'm just like, well, I've got to write something. So this is what I'm writing today. Um, and yeah, that's my process. It's really not a process, but, you know, <laughs> I, it's, it's so weird for me to be somebody who doesn't plan when I'm literally known in the rest of my life as someone who planned, like it was literally my job to plan for 20 years. If, um, you know, my husband I mentioned is a musician, he's not a planner in any aspect of life. And so in terms of <laughs> life and things, I'm the planner. And then, you know, the one thing that is entirely in my control, I, I can't plan to save myself. It's it's quite, um, it's quite funny. So my, my process is I get an idea and... Um, I ruminate on that idea in my mind and I, I actually do write the story in my mind. I almost see words. I don't quite see words, but I, I see the story and um, I will rewrite it in my mind and, you know, I'll go to bed at night and, you know, write a scene in my mind, but I can't sort of commit anything to paper of any use. Um, and uh, yeah, I kind of see my, I see my stories like movies. So they kind of play like movies in my head and people have said more than once about my writing that it is quite visual. And I, I am, it turns out, a visual person, which is quite interesting to be someone who deals with words, but also is quite fluent in pictures. Uh -huh. And so I will write and rewind and fast forward this movie in my mind for months, basically, whilst I write it or, or you know, even before I write it. So I'll, I'll have a couple of movies happening in, in my mind <laughs> at the time and then yeah, I'll um I'll just try and get the picture out of my head and onto the onto the paper, and that's my not process process. <laughs> uh, well, that's awesome. I, I, and you know, they're again writers, uh, authors. They're 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 like snowflakes. They're all different, and and no no one writer approaches writing a book exactly the same. And yeah, it, I think yeah the, the the most important thing is you know if if you're writing books successfully and you're finishing books, and in particular. If people are enjoying your books, then then whatever you're doing, even if it feels unconventional, if it works, then you know, keep keep doing that thing until it doesn't work, and then at that only at that point, maybe possibly figure figure something else out. Even if it makes you want to uh, uh, pull your hair out a little bit, or you're at forty five thousand words and you and you don't know what else to write, yeah, that can be a little bit maddening. But again, yeah, you know, you 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 paint yourself into that corner, you've figured out how to write yourself out of it then uh you know consciously or otherwise if that's if um if that's the process it's it's definitely working for you up to up to this point so, the, so that's that's fantastic thank you well well listen this has been a a great pleasure chatting with you i i definitely don't want this to, to be the the last time we talk so hopefully we can do this <laughs> uh, sometime again down the line and uh, when we do do it again now that I know that uh, you're on the complete opposite side of the world, I will be much more thoughtful in terms of scheduling a, a, a time for it, it to have. It, honestly, it, it's fine. I mean, you know, there there are times of day that are bad for me when I'm doing the school run or the run to, to ballet classes and, you know, all of that stuff. So um, at least I'm not worrying about any of that stuff right now. So it, it's it's all good. Well, in that, in that case, I will be happy to keep you up until 2 a.m. next time around. <laughs> So we can have another conversation. Uh, yeah, I yeah uh, absolutely. I, I do as well. Uh, in the meantime, for folks listening who at this point, uh, they are absolutely interested in uh, MV Ellis, particularly folks who are maybe meeting you for the first time uh, through this conversation. For those people who want to learn more about you, what's what's the best way to, to get more information about you or if they would like to contact you themselves and, uh, and maybe tell you how, how great you are, uh, how, how can how can folks get uh, get some more info on you? Well, I'm most I'm most open to anyone contacting me to tell me how great I am in whatever capacity, <laughs> even if you've never read my books, never intend to read my books, but would like to shower me with compliments. Then I'm um, as I mentioned, I'm always on Facebook and you can just look up MB Ellis and I should pop up there. Um, I um, have a page on Facebook. I also have an author profile and that's very open. So, you know, if you jump on there, you'll see every post I've ever made. So please feel free to do that and to um, hit me up in my DMs. I do, I'm not at a level of popularity where I don't answer DMs. So you can <laughs> message me on Facebook and I will message you back. Um, <laughs> likewise on Instagram. Do not do not try and contact me on Twitter. I'm there, but honestly, it's just, you know, I just don't tweet that much. Um, 
So, so, so but, but the great thing is I'm Envy Ellis everywhere. So if you Google me or if you um, go on Instagram or you go on Facebook or you go on Twitter and and put in Envy Ellis, I will come up. Author Envy Ellis, I'll come up. Um, or there's my website, which is um, envyellis.com. That's fantastic. Well, Envy Ellis, once again, uh, you were fantastic to talk to. I really appreciate you uh, making the time to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And for all of you listening, of course, I always appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed it uh, every bit as much as I enjoyed uh, talking to MV Ellis. And until next time, I will see you on the other side. You know, you uh, wake up in the middle of the night in the sweats. I'm telling you. Sweat. Oh, sorry. That's on, okay. Sorry. I had an alarm set just in case I forgot <laughs> what I was <laughs> Or so, I nodded off or something, which has happened before.